Hello, my name is Tammy Vincent and my students called me Mrs. V and I am now a speaker and an author and my favorite teacher when I was in school, his name was Senor Wiley. He was a Spanish teacher that was absolutely crazy, but he just instilled in absolutely every person that he talked to that you could do whatever you wanted to do, no matter where you came from or who you were. Hello teachers from around the world and welcome to the Legendary Educator Podcast, the podcast for teachers for continuing professional development, where we discuss everything related to education. I'm your host, Mr. Ramis. When you go into your classroom, what is the first thing that you usually focus on? Is it the clock? Perhaps it's your notes or your plan? Or is it the students? Are you mindful of how they're feeling today or how their day is going? My guest this week is Ms. Tammy Vincent, educator, speaker, and author of several books. Mrs. Vincent gets her inspiration from her own past and troubled upbringing to motivate and inspire young students, which is exactly what we try to do here on Legendary Educator. We discuss students who come from turbulent homes, how this affects them in the classroom, and some things we can do to reach out to them and reach them. Ms. Vincent even gives us tools that you can implement in your classrooms to build better bonds with your students. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to the channel so you won't miss any of the extremely important episodes coming up in the next several weeks as we wind down this first season of Legendary Educator. And make sure you go to the website legendaryeducator.com to subscribe to the mailing list as I'm currently working on some really great things you won't want to miss. It was really inspirational talking with this legendary educator. Ms. Vincent, welcome. Okay, Mrs. V, eh? So, so <laughs> I mean, I was expecting Mrs. Vincent or something like that. Where did Mrs. V come from? I don't know. I, my first teaching was first grade and they just stuck with Mrs. V. I have no idea why. My mother-in-law actually was a bus driver, owned a bus company, and they called her Mrs. V, and oh, okay. it just kind of stuck. <laughs> I like it. I guess I'm going to call you Mrs. V as well. Um, so Mrs. V, uh, what are your books about? So the first one, they both come from my own personal story, and the first one is called Surviving Alcoholic Parents. Oh, okay. Yeah, so kind of, a, um, it's not really a, it's not a dramatic story, but it does just kind of give kids a guide. It's a teen's ABC guide for thriving in a world of chaos is what mm. the subtitle is. So it's just how to kind of manage and navigate that part of your life. And then the second one is actually called Helping Children of Alcoholics and Other At-Risk Students. And that one is an educator's guide to identifying and empowering disconnected youth in the classroom. Okay, and that is exactly what I want to touch on. But first, what is your origin story? You know, how did you get into education? And then, you know, how did you get into motivational speaking and actually writing books? Well, my I got into education just because everything I did, I always went back to teaching. And it was always, you know, if I wanted to, I had a ceramic studio and it came down to doing classes for kids. I've just always kind of had this teaching knack. I, I like to help kids. I like to, you know, teach Girl Scout lessons and just do, you know, troops and just all kinds of different teaching things. Um, I finally decided later to go back and get my master's. I got my master's in 
um, regular in elementary ed, and then I got my special education degree. And I realized really quickly that I, I wanted to help more children. Mm. Um, my very first year in the classroom, I realized that so many of these children were just hurting so badly. So I kind of turned my focus and wanted to do twofold things, actually. One is to help children that come from difficult situations. Mm. And the other one is to try to change the whole, the whole, I guess the it's a movement kind of to change teachers' ideas of children and why they, you know, the saying is now they don't want to learn. Mm. And I have a very different aspect about that. I think every child wants to learn. I think we just need to find a way to get to through them, get to them. And, you know, I've always said, if you can't reach them, you can't teach them. Right. And I kind of look at that, you know, give the kids the benefit of the doubt. So my second book is about how to identify how to find these children that are struggling so badly and give them the self-esteem and the, the boost up that they need. It is not a mystery that a lot of teachers go into the classroom and they see students, their faces on desks, or they are a name with a grade without realizing that the student is a complex formula, right? Mm -hmm. Without yes. being mindful of the fact that the student, you know, has issues at home, has baggage, has, you know, has a million different things going into their, going through their minds, it's, especially in this day and age with all the technology, with all the media and the information, it's, it's, it's a flood of data, of emotions, things like that. But, but again, teachers go into the classroom with a plan, with a lesson plan and a curriculum and a deadline and the test and the scores and the grades and all that stuff without, and of course I'm not generalizing, but I'm saying it's, it's, it's not their fault because, you know, teachers have so much on their plate that sometimes they forget to focus on the student as a human being. And so I think that is going to be my first question. How do you identify a pattern or a disconnect as you called it? Well, you, you know, when I was in the classroom, I kind of looked at kids and of course I went through my own personal story. So I just saw that empty hollow look that yeah. I know I felt. Mm -hmm. um, it just seems like now, you know, they say just, just addiction alone, it's one in four children. And then you add in everything else that is there. Like you said, there's a million different things. There's poverty, there's homelessness, there's suicide rates. There's, you know, 4% of our kids don't have any parents right now. Right. So it's like, mm. there's so many different things. So I didn't necessarily even need to identify them. I just tried to reach them all, to mm. teach them self-esteem, to build them up. Um, my book is called Identifying and Empowering. But I, I try to go about it and just assume that they all came from a not so perfect life because mm. I'm assuming now that most of them are having struggles of some kind. So, you know, I always said I used to be that child. You mentioned the child that laid their head on the desk. Mm. I used to be that child and I used to be that quote unquote labeled bad child. Mm. But I, I always kind of joke and I'm like, if one of my 51 teachers had said, Tammy, why do you sleep on the desk? And I had told them because it was the only safe place to sleep. Mm maybe things would have been different, you know? So when I went into first grade um, teaching that, I just kind of, I just try to give them the benefit of the doubt. And, and I know, like you said, it's hard now. It's a curriculum. It's, it's stringent, it's tests, it's everything else. So I always just tried to kind of build activities into my lessons that would build self-esteem, little I am activities and a little mm -hmm. magic mailbox I had where they could ask questions and just different things. What are some of the signs that a student is not doing well, you know, emotionally, socio-emotionally? Um, a lot of lack of contact with other children. 
um, lack of facial cues with you. A lot of children can't even look you in the eye. Mm. Um, I've literally put my hand on a child's shoulder and had her wet herself. You know, it's wow. just, it's, there's just all kind. you know, I just look at it. If they're not jumping into school and smiling and they're mm. laughing and, yeah. um, you know, children, children are inherently, especially young children should be happy. They should still be that childlike person. Mm -hmm. And if that's already kind of a little bit damaged by first, second, third grade, it only gets worse from there. Hmm. What is the difference between a student who is not in a good place emotionally and a student who's just bored? Uh, well, that, that again, you don't always know that. Hmm. Uh, so you have to try to challenge, you have to make the classroom as fun as possible. Um, I used to do some of the same silly exercises when I would substitute high school that I did with my second graders just that, to get them engaged. <laughs> <laughs> it actually worked fun. I was the I was the, the teacher that the substitute that people used to say to me, you know, you're the meanest sub we have, but we like you the best. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, I kind of took that as a compliment. You know, I would have fun with them. I would say, you know, I humor you guys all day long. Humor me. Let's do mm, this. Mm. Um just to get them to open up, to get some trust and stuff. But you, you don't always know. And sometimes, you know, some children are bored, but again, you know, our brains are wired to learn. Our brains are wired to always be learning. So if a child is not, looks like they're not engaged in learning, maybe, mm. you know, we just have to try to find another way to engage them, I guess. Okay. So a teacher notices a couple of these flags that you mentioned. Uh, what does he or she do? Well, it depends on, you know, it depends on the grade. If it's a younger child, I mean, you you can't always come right out and ask. I mean, mm. I would have never told some of the teachers what was happening to me, but you have to build up a sense of trust. You mm. can build up a sense of, you know, build their self-esteem up and try to get them to trust each other. I mentioned my magic mailbox and I used to put questions in this mail mailbox that I thought they had to hear or wanted to hear. Mm. And then you could see them kind of making bonds and making connections between each other, not knowing who asked the question. So just getting them to really trust the system and trust you enough to come forward and say something. Um, but, uh, you know, you can't fix every child, but you can at least try to help them understand that they're not alone and that there's resources for them. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast episode. Being a teacher is tough. Sure, it's one of the most rewarding jobs you could possibly have, but more often than not, you're overworked, underpaid, not to mention the stress and pressure coming at you from every direction. From keeping your students on track, satisfying the administration with your performance, and of course, parents telling you that you need to pay more attention to their kid, you know, because you don't have 20 other kids in your class. Sometimes you just need to turn it all off and talk to someone, don't you? Well, let me introduce you to BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Use the link betterhelp.com legendaryeducator 
to get 10% off your first month of therapy. That's betterhelp.com slash legendaryeducator. Check out BetterHelp today. You deserve it. What is this magic mailbox that you talk about? Oh, <laughs> so it's my magic mailboxes I had in first grade. I put a mailbox in my classroom and I used to tell them they could put letters in there, pictures, whatever they wanted, ask questions that they didn't want to necessarily ask me in person. Hmm. And then I would feed if I knew somebody was struggling or had a feeling somebody was struggling, I would feed that mailbox with questions I thought they wanted to know the answers to. And it you got some pretty interesting questions. And I would take it even when I substituted high school and just be like, come on, guys, humor me. Hmm. And I got a lot of questions and that's kind of what started me on this whole journey. I had a child reach out to me 14 years later and say, if it wasn't for my magic mailbox, wow. I don't know where I'd be today. And so does every student get a mailbox or is it just one general mailbox? How does that work? Because basically what I want to do right now, what I'm trying to do is I want to, I mean, I want to take this copy paste. If a teacher likes the idea, I want her or him to implement this in the classroom. So is it like one, I mean, a general mailbox in the class or does every student get one? Like, how does that work? I did have one general mailbox that was just kind of in there for the, you know, the younger children. And I'm actually trying to start, I'm, I'm starting up a nonprofit probably in the next couple months where mm. I'm going to try to make it a program where oh, they I could, because now mm. obviously it's a lot of, it's going to be digital because mm -hmm. there's not actually a physical mailbox, but it's more of a mentorship program. You mm -hmm. know, children, children are afraid of, you know, they don't want to go into the safe room at school, even though that's where they're supposed to go for support because mm -hmm. they don't want to be labeled. They don't mm -hmm. want to be seen. They're embarrassed, you know, so it's kind of an outside source where they can get the help, get the answers, know that there's a, a support out there for them, but they're not labeled and they're not, you know, known as that kid. <laughs> of course. Absolutely. Is I mean, especially at that age, nobody wants to be labeled anything really, except the cool kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay. So the magic mailbox is a, is a general mailbox. It could be a physical mailbox. It could be a digital mailbox where the student basically asks you questions. I'm assuming not anonymously because you have to know where they're coming from, but it's a chance that he or she asks you a question, a personal question, you can answer them without any sort of face-to-face -face interaction until the bond is formed. Exactly. What else? Give me another example of this. Of, of the mailbox? No, no, no. Of, of, of a different way a teacher could, um, you know, sort of reach a student who is in, I mean, who needs this reaching out. So a lot of these children that are completely disconnected have very little self-esteem. They have zero positive self-identity. They've never mm -hmm. been told, you know, they're not told they're loved. They're not hugged. They're not anything. Mm. So a good example is we used to do an I am wall. And every day we, you know, when first day of school, we would write I am, and we'd write 10 things about ourselves. And then we would close our eyes and write 10 things about the person that loved us the most, what they would say about us. Mm. Then we'd wipe out anything negative. And then literally, I mean, this is first grade and it, mm. it was deafening, but we would stand up there in the front of the mm. room every day. And we would say our 10, you know, I am beautiful. I am amazing. I am funny. I am smart. And we did it every single day of first grade. And, you know, my hope is that just by hearing those positive affirmations mm. day after day after day, that some of those children that don't hear it start to believe it. All right. So there's an I am wall. Every student gets a piece of the wall, right? A piece of this real estate. And right. they make a list of, of, of their good attributes, I'm assuming, or, or just any attributes that like come to mind. No, we, we took out anything negative. I wanted it to be all positive at that point. Uh, so do you tell them, write me 10 things good about you or just write me 10 things about you and then take out the negative? 
we I did write 10 things that you think about yourself and then 10 things that your favorite person might say about you. Nice. Right. Okay. So they so, had to picture mm. like their favorite aunt, their uncle, their sister, you know, and a lot of them needed a lot of help. A lot of them were was Miss V, what do you think? And I'm like, oh, well, you're no. beautiful. And they'd be like, mm. OK, help me spell that, you know, because they were little. <laughs> All right. Good. So then every morning they come in, either fill the wall or they just say it out loud. I am. We would say it out loud while we were putting away our coat. That was just our thing. We unpacked while we were getting everything ready. We would go through any questions that were in the mailbox. Then we would do I am. And then we do the Pledge of Allegiance and mm. move on with the day. Does this work with any grade level or is there a sort of a cap to it? Um, It can go up a little bit. When I used to substitute, of course, they always had those silly games where you sit on the couch, you know, just to give them moving around and give Mm. them some, you know, whatever. And we, I used to do it with bean bags and we used to throw them around the class and toss kind of like playing popcorn and they would have to say them like I am whatever. And we would do it until they repeated one. And then Mm. I'm like, okay, we're done for the day, guys. I'm like, if you can't think of anything new, let's, we're done. Let's go work. And we would take breaks and do that sometimes. So I did it with high school and they, they came up with some good names for themselves and okay. words, but hmm. you, you know, it was fun because I think learning should be fun. So yes. anything else, any other ideas that a teacher could sort of take and like implement in their classroom? Groups, a lot of group things. A lot of these children do not have the social skills, especially mm. after COVID. Especially so after everything, COVID. you know, <laughs> yes. I tried to do as much stuff as I could in groups mm. to mm. teach them that social interaction, the, you know, just getting them close together in little groups and learning how to talk to each other and actually mm. communicate with each other. What is the effect of a student who doesn't have anybody reaching out to them? Um, it can be pretty devastating, honestly. Mm. I mean, if they don't know there's help out there, I mean, I, like I said, I'll be honest and just use my own personal experience. Both of my parents were alcoholics. My mother was a child psychiatrist. My dad was a very high-end stockbroker. Mm. So no one would have ever looked at my family and thought something was wrong. Right. Um, but I didn't per se have really parents, no boundaries. I mean, I didn't even learn about unconditional love until I was 25 and pregnant with my first child. Mm. So I know what I went through and I've gone through 30 years of a healing journey to get over that. And so my goal is to help some of these children realize that their life experiences do not determine, they're not life sentences. Mm. They don't determine their future. They just are something that happened to them and it's bad and it's ugly and it's, it's not fun, but it's up to them to decide they want to do something about it and get help. And there's help out there. And so how did you turn out so okay? <laughs> I, I don't know. Just a very positive. I know my my brother even, you know, I do have two family members and most of my families are recovered alcoholics or recovered mm. act- addicts. Mm. And I, I don't know. I just had a very, you know, everybody, all kids grab a role model. They all, deter- they make a new role model, a new family role for themselves. And I was mm. kind of the people pleaser and the happy person and the hold it together kind of person. Right. Um, humor, a lot of humor. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a very good coping skill that children develop. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm not sure. I just knew there was something better out there. And, you know, I did, I did have my grandmother who would say, you know, it's, it's, you're going to be fine. You're going to be good. Just keep going, keep pushing. And I just inherently had a positive attitude. So I was lucky. Well, good for I was you. Very that's lucky, amazing. Honestly. Just that, you know, I, I think the most important thing is that, that there's there's help out there for children and teachers. They have it really, really, really hard right now with all mm. these issues that children are facing. Um, so it's 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 a struggle. It takes, a you know, they say it takes a village. And right now it takes a really big village. And teachers are teachers have a tough time right now. And 
I feel like the more you, you know, the more you can engage and get your children to trust the system, the more they're going to be willing to learn from you. Is that the magic mailbox behind you? Yeah. I do it for a lot of podcasts. A lot of people I, uh, I just noticed it. <laughs> yeah. It's, I have a Facebook, like my Instagram is Tammy's magic mailbox. A lot of people will just drop me questions, message me that way. Nice. Can I see it? There it is. It just says, ask me anything. That is the magic mailbox. That is now when I was in first grade, it didn't look so pretty because the kids got to decorate it. So, oh, even better. Even Even better. better. Yep. Okay. Remind us of, um, of your two books again. The first one is just called surviving alcoholic parents. And the second one is called helping children of alcoholics and other at-risk students. Okay. And the author is Tammy Vincent, which is Tammy Vincent. And I would say you could get them on Amazon, but they canceled me. So they didn't like that title. So you have to get them through my website. Oh, snap. Which ones? Both of them? Um, Both of them. Yeah, they canceled my whole account. They didn't like the surviving alcoholic parent one. Wow. And they canceled me. You've been canceled. Yeah, it's crazy. Mrs. V. <laughs> I wasn't canceled. Oh, no. I mean, in that case, what's your website? It's just TammyVincent.com. Very good. So and it's your, just my name. Very good. And your Instagram is? Uh, Tammy's Magic Mailbox. That's awesome. Okay. I'm going to put all these links uh, in the show notes. People could, you know, reach out to you. All right, Mrs. V. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Let me know what you thought about today's episode by leaving your comments, questions, or complaints in the Legendary Educator Facebook group. You'll find the link in the show notes or you can find it by searching for Legendary Educator FB Group on Facebook. You can follow me on Instagram at Legendary Educator. And you'll want to get on that mailing list by going to LegendaryEducator.com because I'm cooking up some really exciting things for you. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review because that does help out a lot. Next week, another Legendary episode with a different Legendary Educator. Class is dismissed.